You're listening to Marketplace Ministry, a podcast for Christian entrepreneurs that looks at business through a biblical lens. Your business is a calling, and when you do it according to God's principles, it is an act of worship and brings glory and honor to Him. Let's get into the show. This is Marketplace Ministry, a podcast for kingdom-minded entrepreneurs that looks at business through a biblical lens. My name is Jason Smith. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Justin Jeffcoat. And uh, man, we are bringing you the podcast a little different today. That's right. Today we are doing this live on Clubhouse for the first time ever. And the message that God has imparted to us recently is how to crush imposter syndrome and live the life God planned for you. I don't know about you, Justin, but I'm super excited about this. I was recently in some training. I went to Stu McLaren's membership experience workshop. And in this workshop, I saw all of these entrepreneurs and business owners, and they're all qualified to do what God has gifted them to do. But there's so many of them that would show up and they would say things like, my imposter syndrome is kicking in. Oh, I don't know if I could do this. And I've been there where I've had those thoughts. Have you ever had those thoughts? All the time, man. So many times that I go to do something, especially for the kingdom of God, and the enemy tries to pop his head in there and be like, you're not qualified. You can't do this. You're, you're not doing your calling. You're uh, one step short here. And, and that just sometimes gets in our heads and it's all about blocking out the access noise and, and using using going to the word of god to to uh, take that thought captive and and extinguish the flames so to speak and and go on because god's obviously told you to do something he knows what you want to do in your business and and he wouldn't have told you different and so the enemy wants to kind of try to uh derail that so to speak and we just got to have our eyes and ears closed and listen to let God speak, you know? Absolutely. And I like how you brought that up, that that we hear these thoughts, and it's like they're in the atmosphere. They're just coming at us. And so before I dive into that a little bit, I want to talk about what is imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is loosely defined as doubting your abilities and feeling like a fraud. I've been there. I'm going through coaching right now with Pastor Terry, and as he's coaching me, he asked me to to do a SWOT analysis on who I am. And going through it, I put down everything that I could think of, but then the next thing, he kicks it back to me and says, you need to go a little bit deeper. And as I was trying to go deeper, I started feeling, man, maybe everything that I'm thinking about myself is a complete lie. And so this, this imposter syndrome is characterized by the thoughts of, I'm not good enough. Why would anyone listen to me? Who am I to do this? I'm not qualified to do this, or I'm a fraud. And it's like you said, they're broadcasting these thoughts. And where are these, these thoughts coming from? Well, I once heard Cliff Ravenscraft talk about how these thoughts are like radio broadcasts. So if you can imagine that there is somewhere in the invisible atmosphere that we can't see These messages are being transmitted, just like you can tune your radio. If you live in Louisville, Kentucky, you can tune it to 88.5 WJIE, and you can listen to 
Christian radio where Jesus is exalted. And that's all the way in Louisville, but we're 40 miles away in Radcliffe, Kentucky. But because we've tuned our radios to that station, we get to hear that music. We get to hear those DJs and they get to say what they want to say and it imparts into our lives. And so there's these negative thoughts that exist out there. And what we do without even realizing it is that we tune our minds to be the receivers of that thought. So when we start having these thoughts come to me that say, I'm not good enough, we just need to switch that station. We don't need to take it in and let it take root into our lives. We have a choice of what we listen to. And those thoughts are not the thoughts we should be listening to. Exactly. Just like a radio station, the enemy is watching and he knows everywhere you're going, where you're, what you're doing, and, and he knows exactly when he, it's time to put thoughts into your head, especially when you're like, okay, God told me to do this. This is a plan for what he wants me to do for a business idea. This is a plan where he wants me to do. I'm excited. And you get to go in to do that idea. And then the, all of a sudden those thoughts come in. And then all of a sudden that, that high level of confidence totally starts to, to dwindle a little bit. And, it, and I know it's happened to you, Jason. It's, ha- it's happened to me in my life. But it's, it's going into the word and be like, all right, I'm going to start. I'm going to pray for a minute. Because that's not what God told me to do. This is not this taking the thought captive, as I said earlier. That Satan, you you get thee behind me. I know this is that God is telling me what to do with this plan. You are not you are not getting in the way of that. God says who I am, and you you can leave because you're obviously threatened. And the enemy's only going to come when he feels threatened because he knows what God's calling you to do in your life. So that's why you have to be even stronger in your mindset to uh, move past those thoughts and continue to go on with God's what you do. What, I mean, what do you think, Jason? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you hit the nail right on the head that there is a spiritual enemy and our enemy is the devil. And the devil was cast out of heaven by God. Revelation twelve ten. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. So these thoughts that we're talking about, these negative limiting beliefs, They come from the accuser. And who's the accuser in this case? It's the devil. Isaiah 14, 12 says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. The devil is broadcasting this signal of negative thoughts to whoever will be willing to listen to it because he's trying to weaken you. That's what that verse is saying. Oh, and and the Holy Spirit just put this on my head. He said, tell them he has fallen. Because one thing a lot of people forget is Satan is a fallen angel. He's not no king. He never was. He was just jealous and wanted to be God and got the swift kick by Michael out of of heaven. And so many people think, I can't beat him. It's it's too strong. The thought I give in to it. It gets what? We have an almighty God, Jesus Christ, that died for us to to give us and fight the fight 
for us. We just have to learn to trust him, go with him, and let him be the champion in our corner. One sermon uh, series that our pastor really taught, I think it was the year last year, it was was the champion in your corner. And that touched me so, so much. And I took that, that and processed that and and ran with it because when you have Christ in your corner, no matter what the enemy tries to pluck at you, you can basically say, excuse me, I'm going to walk with Jesus because you, no, 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 no. You, you got, you're kicked out, you're cast out. All you're trying to do is take people away from what God's plan is in life. And I'm not about to do that. And I'm learning that, still learning that today because sometimes the enemy wants to come in and, and throw this in there, that in there. But the fact of it is, is, is it's all a lie, and basically that Satan is lies. So that's why we have to learn to to uh, stick with the plan, no matter what the side thought is, and go stick with the plan of what God's telling us to do. Absolutely, because the devil is on a mission, and his mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants nothing more than to separate you from God. And he does that by introducing doubt and lies into our minds. In John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Genesis 3, 1, this is way back in the beginning. This is after he'd been kicked out of heaven. He took the form of a serpent. And it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman... Has God indeed said? He introduced a question to the woman that caused her to doubt what God had actually said to them to begin with. And then it says in Genesis 3.13, The Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. The enemy of darkness has one plan to separate you from God, to deceive you into thinking that God's not real and that you don't have what it takes to do what God's called you to do in the world. That is his mission. In John 8:44, we learn a little bit more about the devil and his nature when Jesus says, when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources For he is a liar and the father of it. Now we know the devil is not everywhere at one time. He can only roam to and fro about the earth. But he has a third of the fallen angels. They're going to be out there and they're broadcasting this message. These demons are whispering in people's ears. You're not good enough. You don't have what it takes. Nobody is going to listen to what you have to say. This is what the demons are doing because they're in all places. The devil's not, but and they're not either. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I'm saying that there's more demons than there are the devil, so they can be spread out, scattered around the earth, and, and have more opportunities to influence people than the devil himself does because he's just roaming to and fro. What was it that you wanted to add, Justin? One thing I was going to say is that the enemy will also use the imposter syndromes through your friends, through your close family members, even, because if the enemy can't get through your head, he's going to get through the people that he knows he can get in. And some people don't even realize that they're they're doing that. They just kind of go along with it because they don't have enough word 
God's word in their life. And, uh, you know, so therefore, you know, they're going to come at you. He's going to come at you every week, especially if you are dead set and God has put a business idea plan to grow, especially with his kingdom and put help more people in his name to 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 plant more seeds whether whether you whatever you're doing in your business they will it'll, it'll come in a form of co-workers managers friends family and you always you got to have a keen sense of knowing when to to know when that's coming your way i made a couple mistakes myself too and you know i'm not saying that we're all innocent from this or we're not but what 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 it is is you have to learn to be aware of when that's happening and because sometimes, so many times, Christians, especially myself, like I said, will could fall for that because you don't realize that the enemy's using your friend or family member to get in your head, and that's when what you do: a couple things. You go to the person who first off pushed you to take that to new heights. Your your pastor, or a few things actually, your pastor, your your spiritual brothers and sisters, your 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 spouse even. But you just got to know when to open up, say something and be aware of your surroundings. Exactly. We must be wise to the enemy. In 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, sinking whom he may devour. He is looking for someone he can sink his teeth into. But, hey, spoiler alert, he has no teeth. When Jesus died on the cross, he disarmed the enemy. So he's a lion, a toothless lion. He has nothing that he can use against you. There is no power. He, he has nothing except the power that you give him. And so we must be sober-minded. That doesn't mean, it, when I say the word sober, I don't mean you're not on drugs, you're not on alcohol, although that would help because if you are on those substances, it's going to influence the way your mind thinks. But to be sober-minded means that you're thinking clearly in tune with the Word of God. And so that's what we need to do. We need to be in tune with the Word of God. 2 Corinthians 10, 4-5 tells us we need to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So these thoughts come. They say, I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. Who's going to listen to me? These thoughts will come. It's going to come every day. It's going to come every year. It's going to come all the time, no matter where you're at in life. But it's up to you to do something about it. Are we going to tune into those thoughts or are we going to cast them down? and every vain imagination that it would attempt to exalt itself against the knowledge of God, or are we going to let them take root into our hearts? And I would encourage you to cast them down. And so how do we take those thoughts captive? I've got four ideas that will help you to take those thoughts captive. Number one is meditation. So with meditation, this is sitting in silence, it's thinking about the Word, it's reading the Word out loud, it's finding scriptures in the Bible that resonate with you and just thinking on them. And as you think on them, and only then, them, you let them take root into your heart, and they become part of who you are. And so I would encourage you to be intentional about what you think about, the thoughts that come you need to ask these questions. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is this what God's Word says about me? 
If the answer to those questions is no, then you can forget that thought and let it go by. The second thing is to study your Bible. I mentioned that just a moment ago. You want to read your Bible daily. And then you need to find out, you know, while you're reading it, what does God's Word say about you? Then it's up to you. Do you believe what God's Word says about you? If you don't, why? If you do, why? Answer those questions. Dig deep and find out, you know, what does God's Word say about me and do I believe it? As a matter of fact, I'm going to link to this room a resource that you all can go to and download. I prepared it for you today that goes along with our lesson for the day. It's called Who I Am According to God's Word. So I will get that link. Justin, what are your thoughts on meditation and studying the Bible? Well, one, you know, is, is, is quite obvious. It's, it's super important because so many times people think they can fight this battle on themselves. It's, it's no more than, you know, it's, it's, uh, I could beat this. And, you know, I know we're talking about imposter syndrome, but it goes along the same line of addictions. It goes along the same line of gluttony. It goes along the same line of someone, you know, allowing the enemy or someone to come in our life and put these things in you that you could fight the battle alone or, or just talk it out or through a group. And yes, all those things help. I'm not taking away from that. But what I'm talking about, the mo- one of the most important tools is the sword, which, you know, is the Bible. And when you when you meditate on that and you just stop. You think, and our, our pastors even said that you stop and just listen. So many times we want to talk so much, we don't have, we don't listen to the word of God, and that we won't let him speak. So he's like, why should I even talk when you only let me talk? So you just sometimes we just got to on the meditation, just stop, close your eyes, and just listen, because God's going to speak to you regardless, and He's going to help you get you back on that path if you have fallen short of that imposter syndrome, and, and it get get you back on where he wants you so just sometimes on that and one thing is big for me is because you know everybody knows i like to talk a lot <laughs> and so uh, shutting up is a big thing and, and god's dealing me with, with that so i you know i just stop i think and i just let god speak and let him just ask, ask god for first and foremost to come and god speak to me what do you want to tell me today just to stop and no matter how long it takes it's not it's, it may not come instantaneously it might not come in five minutes but he will talk to you and, and stay strong into your word. Amen. That's so good. That is good. And then the next thing after studying your Bible is to journal. And so when you're meditating and you've studied your Bible, you'll start to have these thoughts. Like I said, you're going to have thoughts that God said to you. You'll have thoughts that the enemy's trying to implant into your brain. Take those thoughts and write them down. Write your thoughts and your feelings down. And what will happen when you do that is it's going to help you to actually see what's going on in your head, and it'll help you to make more sense of it. And then when you have it written down on paper, it's easier to see, oh, that's not true. That's a lie. That doesn't make any sense. I don't know why I was thinking that way. And once you write them down and you realize that these are not good, you got another thing you can do is take your pencil, take your pen, and cross it out. You you have downloaded it out of your brain, so now you don't have to think about it anymore. But the next step is to cross it out, because now you're like, that is not something that I want to meditate on. That is not something that's going to help me bear fruit in my life. 
the last thing for how to take thoughts captive is to be careful about what information you allow your mind to consume. And I'm not talking about eating food, and I'm talking about eating information. We are consuming information every day. Whether you're listening to this clubhouse room or this podcast, whether you are reading social media posts on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, wherever you're getting information, you're consuming that. And what you consume into your mind is going to clunk into your heart if you let it. So the important thing is to make sure that the only information you're putting in is information that is going to help you to do what God's called you to do. Yeah. One thing I just wanted to put in there, Jason, is what are you eating? And I'm not like Jason said, I'm not talking about food. I was like, what are you eating? What are you seeing? Your eyes basically eat the same thing, basically eat just like your mouths do because your eyes consume everything. So basically you, you feed on what you're looking at what you're listening to, what you're doing, what, what, who you're listening to. And, and what we need to basically get off that and tune in because you'll, you'll notice. And I'm noticing it too in my life is war into the word, whether that be a devotion, your daily devotional. And, and our evangelist, Stacey Bonet, made this amazing 76 day devotional that, that we, I was able to get blessed with. On, on Sunday, and I'm getting more into that, and it's more of, and it grows you, it strengthens you, it works you, it keeps you from keeping your eyes off the other things, other junk, and it takes your way more away from the world, and, and it keep it takes you right into the Word of God, and it helps grow you, strengthen you, develop you. One thing you got to be attuned to is what don't don't eat the world with your being, meaning your eyes, grow and see the world through God's vision of what He wants you to do. That's good. I love that. Don't eat the world with your eyes, but grow through what God has has put in you. That's so good. And so when we're dealing with the devil, if we are doing all these things, if we're being sober-minded, if we are writing down our thoughts and feelings, if we are studying our word, if we are meditating, if we're being careful about what we're putting into us, it's going to be easy to do what it says in James chapter 4, verse 7. It says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. All right, so in this verse, there's three steps, three actions that take place. Number one, we submit to God. Submission there means we are obedient. Even if we don't agree, we're going to be obedient to what God said to us. And we're going to do it. That's submission. We agree with what God says and we do it. Then after we submit ourselves to God, it says resist the devil. So we know the devil's coming for us. We know he's trying to devour us. We know he has no power. When the devil shows up, you must resist him. Look at him in the face. Just like when when. The devil was speaking through Peter and Jesus turned around and said, get thee behind me, Satan. We need to take that seriously, that there are demonic forces all around us and we need to speak to them. We need to answer them. As we've been learning in church, that word answer them means that we are commanding them. And so we are commanding the demons by resisting them and we're saying, not today, devil. It says the third part of that is once we submit to God and we resist the devil, he, the devil, 
will flee from you. He has no recourse. There's nothing he can do if you are firm and grounded in what you believe. If you use your faith, if you apply your faith to everything that you do, there is nothing the devil can do to stop you. Amen, brother. Amen. So then, as I've referenced, we have that resource at the top of the page of this clubhouse room that you can download. It's called Who I Am According to God's Word. And for those catching the replay or listening to this on our podcast, we'll have a link in the show notes so that you can go back and grab this valuable resource, which I I would encourage you to get. Because if you get this and you start confessing these scriptures over your life every day, it's going to change the way you perceive yourself. Now, when we talk about confessions or declarations, some people get confused. What does that mean? It's If you want to think of it in terms of daily affirmations, that's what some people would say in the business world or in like the new age realm. It's affirmations. So, that's all we're really doing. It's, it's a confession. It's a declaration that you're speaking out of your mouth. And why do we have to speak it? Because in Proverbs, it tells us that the power of life and death is in the tongue. So you can speak life or you can speak death. And it's all up to you. If you're speaking according to the negative thoughts that are coming to you, that negative self-talk, if you're speaking that, that means it's in your heart because Proverbs also says, out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaks. So whatever you started to meditate on, as soon as you believe it and it drops into your heart, that's what you're speaking out of your mouth. And what you speak, the words you speak, are what creates the world around you. So it's super important that we are confessing the right things over our lives. And that's what this resource is going to do for you. It's going to give you some scriptures, and I want to go through them real quick here for you to show you what God's Word says about you. Number one, in Jeremiah 29, 11, God speaking to Jeremiah, He's saying, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. He has plans for us. And those plans are not for us to go into disaster. That's what the scripture is saying. We're not supposed to fall. We're supposed to rise. He's calling us up here to be with him. We're supposed to rise above the world. And so there is a future for us. There is a hope for us. If you're in a hopeless state right now, this should give you hope. Because when God spoke this, it was after or during the exile. And so there was devastation all around the children of Israel at that time. And so for him to speak this at that time, when they were in the darkest time of their lives, he's promising them something good is coming. Hang on to my word because I've got you. That's where we're going. So if you're feeling like an imposter today, I want to encourage you to get a hold of God's plan for you. Ephesians 2.10 in the New Living Translation says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. He planned for us to do what we're doing today. So if you feel like an imposter, just remember that God put those gifts and talents in you. He put those desires in your heart so that you would go out and serve his other people. That's 
who you are. Psalms 139.14 says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you understand what that means? It means that God doesn't make junk. There is no garbage. Everything that God makes is meant to glorify him. It's not meant for the trash. Man, Jason, one thing that's popped popped up too is is so don't root your confidence, you know, in the world. Don't 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 say, man, this person says I could do that. That's great. There's there's going to be people behind you, but remember one another thing to avoid that imposter syndrome is root your confidence in God's faithful care. Because remember, God already said he knows who you are. He created you who you wanted to be. And if he's putting something on your heart, who is against you? Who's who's to tell you that you can't do it? Who's to tell you that you're worthless? Who's to tell you that this is horrible? Who's to tell you, oh, my gosh, I just screwed up. What am I going to do? No, God obviously told you to do it. That's why you go after running on all, all twos there and, and, and go after it and, and with all your heart, your mind, and, and your, your soul and just take off. That's so good. And and 1 Peter 2, 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. If you're not getting this yet, I'm hoping that by sowing this word, that it's starting to take root into your heart, that there is more to you than who you think you are. Even if, you're, if you feel weak, just know that God takes the foolishness of the world and uses it to glorify Him. He's going to do amazing things through you if you'll just trust Him. It all comes back to trusting God. In Romans 8.37, it says, Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. That means no matter what circumstances we face, we will overcome. And as we wind down this message today, I want to get into this this final point about how you have an anointing. 1 John 2.20 tells us that you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. You have an anointing. That anointing is the presence of Jesus. The anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. The anointing empowers you to go and be a witness. The anointing is a divine enablement that causes you to do things that you never thought you could do. And you have that. He put it in you. Jump down to 1 John 2.27 and it says, But the anointing which you have received from Him... So where does the anointing come from? It comes from God. He put it in you. It abides in you. That word abides, it means to dwell. It's a permanent dwelling place. It's not a transient situation. The Holy Ghost doesn't just live in you today and then he's going to go live in somebody else tomorrow. No, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost We are all temples of the Holy Ghost. And so the Holy Spirit lives in and abides in us as a permanent dwelling place. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it is taught you, you will abide in him. So the anointing, from God is in us, it dwells in us, and it teaches us 
concerning all things. In Romans eleven twenty nine, it says, For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. So I want to highlight this for you right here. What does that mean? The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. It means this. God is not sorry about the gifts and callings he has deposited within you. Let me say that again. God is not sorry about the gifts and callings he has deposited within you. He knew what he was doing and he chose you to carry a specific gift to the world. And how do I know that? Because of the parable of the talents, which you can read about in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 through 30. I'll give you a brief summary of it here right now. But in this story, there's a master who's going away on a journey. And as he goes, he gives to three of his servants a set number of talents. One of them he gives five talents to. Another he gives two talents to. And another he gives one talent to. The one who received five doubled his master's investment. The one who received two doubled his master's investment. But the one who received one returned to his master the one talent without any interest. The master rewarded the two servants who doubled their talents, but he rebuked the one who did not increase his investment. He called him a lazy and unfaithful servant. And to add insult to injury, he took the talent back from that servant and gave it to the one who had five. The point of this story, or what I want to extract out of this story today as it relates to imposter syndrome, the anointing, the gifting and calling of God on your life is this. What are you doing with the talents that God gave you? Are you using them to serve other people? Or are you squandering your talent, hiding it from others because someone convinced you that you are not enough? My encouragement for you today is to begin to see yourself the way God sees you. He gave you a gift, and it's not for you. Your skills, talents, and abilities are needed in ministry and in the marketplace to serve others. So instead of being afraid to shine, be bold about who you are and what you contribute. You have what it takes. You are worth it. Stop feeling like an imposter and start being everything God has called you to be. That's our thoughts today on how to crush imposter syndrome and live the life God planned for you. If you're catching this on the replay, the link is pinned at the top so that you can download our free resources. It's called Who I Am According to God's Word. And you can download that. Uh, it's a completely free resource that we're giving away. And you can start implementing these thoughts into your life instead of thinking about, oh, I'm not good enough or I don't have what it takes. No, we want to put good, wholesome words into your mind so that you can combat 
imposter syndrome. And you know, it's interesting to me, something the Holy Spirit said one day I was out driving, is that when we deal with imposter syndrome, what we're really doing is we're focusing on our inabilities. We are more concerned with us than we are with what God's called us to do. And so, in effect, imposter syndrome is all inwardly focused. It's like a selfish thing. It's where we're thinking, oh, I can't do that. So then, because we think we can't do it, we don't do it. But that's not what God's plan was. He wanted you to do that. That's why He put it in you. So, instead of looking at ourselves and our inabilities, the best thing we can do is just go ahead and try. Just do it. Just go out and do the thing and see what happens next. And sometimes all it takes is that first step. When we started Marketplace Ministry, we knew we wanted to minister to kingdom-minded entrepreneurs. We wanted to touch the hearts of Christian entrepreneurs and help them to be inspired and to grow their business wherever they happen to be. We wanted them to see that their work is ministry that when they do their work unto the Lord, it's worship. And so I say all that to say, take your eyes off of you and put your eyes on others. And when you put your eyes on others and how you can serve them, guess what? You will no longer feel like an imposter. Is there anything you'd like to add to this today, Justin? Man, I think... Uh, I was just kind of listening and I was doing some work. Yeah, guys, just kind of forgive me. I'm healed, healthy, and old, but a little under the weather today, so kind of forgive me. But, man, you just kind of subbed it up and knocked it right out of the park with that ending. And I was just so kind of just uh, tuning in to everything that you were just nailing with uh, talking about, especially with being who you are, you know, and, and not, not who the world, you know, tells you that you are. And it's just so important to – to basically put it, put in those those spiritual earplugs per se, and don't let the enemy remove those. And like I said, you you continue that by reflecting, getting into the Word, and and uh, sticking strong to it. Amen. That's great. So until next week, we call you to prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. We hope today's message inspired you and ministered to you. Let us know if it did by joining the conversation. You can do that by connecting with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Clubhouse. All the details will be in the show notes. If we helped you today, please share this episode. Be sure to rate this podcast and leave us a review. When you do, it helps us know what content you find valuable so we can make more of it. Plus, it helps get this show in front of more listeners. So if you could leave us a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Continue to seek God first and serve His people well, and your business will prosper. In Jesus' name.